This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. Biotechnology. It is one of the things that Greater Boston does best, but Beijing wants to do it better. So much so that earlier this week, members of the U.S. House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party came to the Commonwealth to talk biotech. Massachusetts Congressmen Seth Moulton and Jake Auchincloss are on that committee. They both join us now on the line. Congressman, uh, Congressman Moulton, welcome back. It's great to be here, Tiziana. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. And Congressman Auchincloss, welcome back to you as well. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with both of you. There's a lot to learn here. I'm also going to say up front with you both on the line, I'll be asking questions to each of you. Please jump in. If one of you has more to say on something, just hop on in. Uh, Congressman Moulton, I'll start with you. I admit that I was even unfamiliar with this committee. Why was it formed and what does it do, Congressman Moulton? Well, sure. It was formed uh, under the uh, on the House to really develop a comprehensive strategy for competition with the Chinese Communist Party. We know that they're a major national security threat. Every business in America knows that uh, the Chinese represent a competitive threat, an economic threat to America. And yet we don't seem to have a very comprehensive uh, strategy to address this as a nation. But in some ways, I actually think that the committee is misnamed because the real imperative here is to prevent a war. And a lot of Americans don't take this seriously. I get it. It seems far away. But listen to this. If Xi Jinping does what he has told us he will do, he invades Taiwan, that could literally lead to World War III. We need to deter and prevent that from happening. That, to me, is the most important work of this committee. And if we can get a better strategy to compete with China in the process, that's great. So in the process is key here, Congressman Auchincloss. I'm assuming the biotech industry is part of that in the process piece. And I want to start for most people with what is biotech? I mean, you know, sort of amorphously, we understand it. But since it's something that's so important to the national economy, to national security, and, and so strong for greater Boston, basically, what are we talking about here? Basically, we're talking about engineering biology to create products and services that improve human health, that improve the energy supply, that make agriculture more sustainable, and that even have applications to industrials. One of the defining characteristics of the last two centuries was that first chemistry and then physics became engineerable disciplines. That is, we were able to take our scientific understanding of chemistry, of the periodic table, and turn that into uh, products and materials that improved human life. Same thing with physics, obviously, the atom um, was one of the defining scientific achievements and then engineering achievements of the 20th century. In the 21st century, that's happening to biology. Biology through cell and gene uh, engineering is becoming a discipline that we can program. And that, of course, has applications to human health. A Massachusetts company recently has launched a product that can help cure sickle cell disease. Another one has helped launch a product to help cure heart disease. Another one for ovarian cancer. Uh, but it also has applications to how do we make fertilizer for agriculture more sustainable uh, to reduce methane emissions and, and nitrogen runoff? How do we make materials that are uh, better conductors of electricity to reduce uh, energy costs? This is an entire economy. Massachusetts is the best player on the field. China wants to catch up and indeed dominate. 
And it's critical that we double down on what has made the life sciences ecosystem in Massachusetts so special over the last 25 years. So a new frontier, not just for us, but just playing a key frontier, uh, you know, in this century. So I'll turn back to you, Congressman Moulton. We talked with Ryan Moorhart, who's uh, Senior Director for Policy and Partnerships at Boston-based Ginkgo Bioworks. During the visit to Boston, uh, the committee toured Ginkgo's facilities in the seaport. Here's what he told us. For a long time, the world has looked to Boston to solve hard problems with biotech. And now with large-scale automation combining with new AI capabilities, that biotech is not only addressing health challenges in pharma, but it's also biotech is also powering new innovations in agriculture, food, materials, industrial chemicals. And that makes biotech a strategic technology, but it makes Boston also a really important hub. Now, some of that echoes what we just heard from Congressman Moulton, but I also hear it echoing, excuse me, Congressman Auchincloss, but I also hear it echoing a little bit of what you said at the top, Congressman Moulton, um, because we're talking about strategic technology. Um, This is a frontier about primacy to some extent. Can you translate this for us? No, that's absolutely right. I mean, we have to win this race, not just because of all the implications for improving human life. And and we want to be selling our medicines to the rest of the world, not buying them from places like China, but also because this will have serious national security implications as well. Because as we make that transition from a science that was basically about discovering things, right? We we discover some naturally occurring biology that actually helps us to cure a disease. Now we're creating those substances, those complicated molecules from scratch. That's the transition, that's the change that, that Jake was just describing. As that comes for the forefront, we can also bioengineer all sorts of like little molecules that actually could be really important for national security. Obviously, you can bioengineer weapons. And Boston's competition, Boston's competition in this race to be the number one biotech hub in the world, it's not California, it's not Texas, it's Beijing. So, Congressman uh, Jake Auchincloss, and let me just reset for everybody here. We are talking with two Massachusetts uh, members of Congress. Seth Moulton, Jake Auchincloss. They are both on a committee that was here uh, in Massachusetts this week looking at biotech, where Massachusetts, Greater Boston, is very strong uh, as a strategic issue, both economically and in terms of national security, because China is on the rise in this area and wants to become the dominant player in biotechnology. So there's your basic summary. And McKinsey, according to a report from McKinsey, China-based biotech firms have seen a 100 times increase in total market value to more than $300 billion just in the period from 2016 to 2021. So Congressman Jake Auchincloss, one question that I want to ask is, uh, is it done Uh, I mean, often we have these conversations, but behind the scenes, someone is saying, well, really, we already lost, right? Um, You wrote an op-ed about investing in Massachusetts right now as the key national security player in this, as the key strategic player. So it's not done. We are still uh, in this race. We're actually still leading this race, but China is catching up. And by some indications like patents or publications, China's even in the lead. But we absolutely can and I think must win this race. Really requires three things, though. Number one, we need to maintain ourselves as the talent magnet for the world. Massachusetts right now attracts 
physician scientists from the world over. The physician scientist is the maven of biomedical innovation. They move from the clinic to the lab, back to the clinic, back to the lab. And through that iterative process, they really develop these groundbreaking cures, like I mentioned, heart disease, ovarian cancer, et cetera. All of those came from that back-and-forth shuttling. Uh, Massachusetts is very special in that we have these academic medical centers plus uh, the laboratories plus the risk capital to then commercialize those discoveries. And so that ecosystem is attracting people from the world over. But our immigration system is broken, and we're educating people, PhDs and postdocs, who then can't get the visas they need to stay here. Uh, we can fix that. Obviously, Democrats have a strong track record of trying to fix that with good faith uh, legislation. It's been rejected by Republicans repeatedly. But even just through executive action by, fix, by fixing uh, the Department of Labor's Schedule A Group 1 listing that provides for expedited visas for people with uh, in-demand capabilities would be a step in the right direction for our ability to attract people. Number two, we got to pass better policy around biomedical innovation. At so the I'm sorry, I'm going to pause you there. We sure. will come to number two. This is important, but you're calling for executive action. Are you saying that President Biden isn't doing something that he should be doing and could be doing on the immigration front that would lead to better competition with China and also improve Massachusetts's ability to compete in a key economic area, Congressman Auchincloss? Yeah, this has been decades that, that Schedule A Group 1 under the DOL listing has, has not been updated. Right now, I believe it just applies to nurses um, as a specialty. But there is some latitude for executive action here to in- expand that list. It is not a comprehensive solution. Uh, it is not uh, the full solution that we need. But I think given the what the GOP just did with their torpedoing of bipartisan border security legislation, we, we know that they're not here in good faith on immigration, and we may need to have more muscular administrative action, particularly uh, uh, for Massachusetts' uh, biomedical industry. Okay, so pick up your other two, uh, and then I'm going to come back to immigration policy with Congressman Moulton in a minute. So the other two items on your list that are critical here. Yeah, so just briefly, number number two was we got to reward the makers and not the takers. Uh, there are people who are creating new cures, who are creating new products that are in demand, and we want an entrepreneurial uh, system that where those best and brightest are pursuing those. But then we also have actors in this system who are just taking advantage of their market position or regulatory capture to just take. And so I've got legislation targeting pharmacy benefit managers, for example, who are the middlemen of drug pricing and who are taking about $250 billion out of our healthcare system annually, and really adding very little in return. So we, we got to fix some of those incentives. And, th- and then finally, and you know, this is probably the most boring one, but, but important is there's just a whole lot of infrastructure and standardization that goes into biomedical R&D. It's things like clinical trial efficiency and diversity and standardization of weights and measures and terminology, things that the government really can help with and indeed we have the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health now cited in Massachusetts, which is a, a federal moonshot factory. And I've been encouraging them to focus on those unglamorous but, but high leverage things that they can do for the industry. Federal moonshot being cancer moonshot? It's actually not just focused on cancer. It's really just meant to be how can the federal government expedite biomedical R&D by doing things that no individual company might have Got the incentive it. to do, but broadly would be helpful. So first, back to Congressman Seth Moulton. Uh, First, Congressman Moulton, uh, anything you want to add to that list of key priorities for what has to happen for Massachusetts to remain the dominant player in the biotech industry? 
No, I think Jake's got it down and he obviously, you know, he's got all the details here. But I mean, basically, we're trying to attract the best talent in the world. Uh, many of them already come here to, to study. But we have this crazy immigration policy that then sends them back home to places like China, where they use all their knowledge and skills and experience uh, to help China instead of helping us. So we've got to get the best talent here. We've got to retain the best talent here. And we've got to make sure that our system rewards rewards success, rewards people who are really making a difference, not just making a buck. Okay, so I want to stay in that space, and I'll stay with you for a minute longer on this, Congressman Moulton. Um, uh, immigration policy. Okay, a couple of things here. One, uh, when we say that in short, right now, the trigger for people tends to be immigration at the southern border. Um, I want to remind people that the situation we've had in Congress over the last few weeks roughly described. Uh, Senate works on a bipartisan bill uh, that would combine aid to um, foreign aid for Ukraine and Israel with immigration. Uh, the deal starts to go through. The House of Representatives says we're not going to do it, um, arguably because the candidate on the GOP side, Donald Trump, says, I don't want it done. Um, immigration gets dropped. Um, now there's a new bill that doesn't have that piece in it, um, and it looks like it's going to get scuttled on uh, the House side as well, just for a little bit of context there. This is not southern border, but you are saying, Congressman Moulton, that the bipartisan deal that was negotiated out of the U.S. Senate would have solved the problems that you and Congressman Auchincloss are talking about and was scuttled in the House of Representatives, ostensibly by demands from candidate Donald Trump, the former president. I mean, it wouldn't have solved all the problems for sure, but it was an important step in the right direction, an important step to secure our border, but also make sure we have a humane immigration system that actually improves our competitiveness, that encourages people, especially really talented people, to come here legally not cross the southern border illegally, and Republicans threw it out. I mean, you basically got the history there right, Tiziana, but actually, to just to make it a little bit more concise in a way, yeah. what happened is we had a foreign aid bill. Everyone thought, thought we should support Ukraine and Israel. Republicans said, no way, Jose, unless we add border reform, unless we add immigration reform. So we added that in. Trump comes out and says, no, I don't like that. And so then they say, we won't pass it until you take it out. Now that bill has come back to the House and Republicans have changed their mind for a third time and said, no, I don't think we'll pass foreign aid unless it includes border reforms. So the bottom line is Republicans are playing politics with immigration reform where when it's actually really important, not just for our national security, but for our competitiveness right here in Boston. You're listening to Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. And we have Massachusetts Congressman Jake Auchincloss and Seth Moulton on the line. They both belong to the U.S. House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, which made a visit to the Commonwealth this week to look at our biotechnology industry. It is leading in the country, arguably the world, but with rising competition from China, it is both an economic and a national security issue. So a couple more minutes on this. Congressman Jake Auchincloss, I will turn to you. If, in your mind, the United States gets this right, how does it impact residents in Massachusetts? What's happening for the lives of people in Massachusetts? Cures, jobs, and cleaner air and water is what it comes down to. Massachusetts 
bioeconomy today creates hundreds of thousands of good-paying jobs, and we are at the forefront of discovering cures for conditions that in my lifetime were a dread diagnosis or even a death sentence. Cancer, uh, morbidity and mortality in the last 20 years has seen incredible improvements thanks to many of the discoveries made here in Massachusetts. We're also seeing that diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's uh, are starting to yield their secrets. And it's about better health spans for our kids and grandkids and terrific jobs uh, for our economy. Not just R&D jobs, by the way, in places like Boston and Cambridge and Watertown, but also biomanufacturing jobs in places like Fall River and Plainville and Norton in my district, which are already hosts uh, to some of those facilities. And then finally, uh, it's not just healthcare. It's been healthcare traditionally, but increasingly now it's agriculture and energy as well. Uh, I think biotechnology is going to have key applications in those fields. And uh, Congressman Seth Moulton, let's do the flip side of the stakes. What's the worst case scenario if we don't get this right? Well, the worst case scenario is that Beijing owns all of our genetic data. They start to weaponize this technology and actually use it against us. Um, of course, there's still a wide-ranging debate about the origins of the COVID-19 virus. In some ways, that's like the greatest intelligence failure since Pearl Harbor, that to this day, we still don't know if it came from a natural source or it came as a lab leak uh, from Wuhan. But the fact that the lab leak philosophy or, or, or hypothesis is even possible is because we know how to engineer viruses now. And China, if they wanted to, could engineer something far worse. So we've got to win this race. We've got to set the standards across the world for ethically how this technology is used. And at the end of the day, we want everyone coming to us to use our biotechnology, our biofactories, you know, our researchers, our genetic sequencing machines and everything else. We want that work in Boston, not just because it's good for our economy, but because it's good for our national security. All right. So while we have the two of you, I do want to step back and ask you about a handful of other issues relevant to the things that we've been talking about, national security, immigration, um, you know, at the national and local level. I'll stay with you, Congressman Moulton, for just a moment. Uh, within the last week, Donald Trump at a campaign stop laid out his philosophy partially and certainly not for the first time on the North Atlantic Treaty Organization or NATO by recounting an anecdote that it is unclear actually ever happened, but from a NATO meeting he attended during his presidency. Here's a little bit of that sound. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. That sound from The Guardian, obviously, that has caused ripple effects across the world. Um, I, I want to get your reactions to that, please. It's un-American, it's unpatriotic, and it's dangerous for our national security. And you don't have to want other nations to contribute to an alliance to, to, to justify saying that we will abandon you when an adversary like Russia or China attacks. I mean, for a long time, people like me have said that, that Donald Trump has more support for Vladimir Putin, is doing more to support Russia 
than our own troops. He denigrates our troops. He praises Vladimir Putin. He said that he will abandon Ukraine. Now he says he'll abandon NATO, all for the benefit of Russia. I mean, since when did the Republican Party become pro-Russia? Since when do we accept a, a, a presidential nominee from a major political party to be pro-Putin? That's what you'll get. That's what we will get if people vote for Donald Trump. Congressman Auchincloss, I want to stay on that thread. An interesting development over the last 24 hours. Um, reports from anonymous intelligence officials, intelligence officials that Russia is progressing towards development of a space-based nuclear weapon. It's on, uh, we know so little, I won't say more than that. Um, that seems like it, too, could change the strategic landscape, and I want to get your reactions there. It's a significant national security concern. It is another example of Russia's uh, regression from international norms, the most egregious, of course, being the unprovoked and brutal invasion of Ukraine. But this is longstanding practice under Vladimir Putin and increasingly in concert with China and Iran to upend and disrupt the rules-based international order that America helped architect since World War II and really to try to destabilize uh, the world uh, and the global commons. And I would just double-click double, double click on what Seth said. I totally agree about Donald Trump uh, and the threat he, he, he um, presents. But we, we also have known this for eight years now. It's not news. What, what really needs to be the focus is not Donald Trump, who is a known quantity. It's the Republican Party and Republican elected officials who know better. And Seth and I both talk to these, these members all the time. They know better, but they're afraid. And they're the ones who ultimately need to answer to themselves and to history for submitting themselves to, to something that they know is bad for the country. So, Congressman Moulton, I'm going to just narrow things way down now, bring it all the way home. Um, the state is preparing for possible closures of Stewart Hospitals because of the company's financial difficulties. Both of you signed a letter to Cerberus, the private equity firm that bankrolled Stewart's initial acquisition of hospitals beginning in 2010, sold its controlling stake in the company in 2020. The letter asks Cerberus to explain its financial dealings with Stewart, how much it made in profits, wants a response by the end of this month. Why? Why did you want to send this letter, Congressman Moulton? Because people's lives are at risk. I mean, I read that story uh, in the Globe about uh, this this young mother who had just had a child, um, was you know holding her in her hospital bed and 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 was feeling sick. And uh, and and they took her into surgery. They realized that she had a bleed, but they didn't have the device to stop it because it had been requisitioned by the company because the hospital didn't pay its bills. And that young mother is dead. That little child doesn't have a mother now because some private equity firm took all the money out of this hospital system, made great profits for themselves and, and risked lives. I mean, lost lives right here in Massachusetts. That's totally unacceptable. And by the way, you know, it's people like Donald Trump and their Republican enablers, like Jake said, who want all this to just continue with no regulation, no, 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 no stopping, you know, no one to say you can't do that because people's lives are at risk. That's what's at stake in this election. So follow up question for you, Congressman Auchincloss, and then we'll finish here. The delegation also sent a letter to Stewart executives last month asking for more information about its finances. Did you get a response? I haven't seen a response yet. We have been in 
in contact and collaboration with the Healy administration, who is uh, watching this and, and engaged on this on a daily basis. Certainly in my district, in southeastern Massachusetts, the collapse of Stewart would be catastrophic. We're already buckling in Attleboro and Taunton and Fall River um, with lack of supply based on some hospital closures and, and incidents in the last couple of years. Uh, and so this is something that is clear and present for my constituents, and we're, we're watching it closely. Well, I want to thank you both for the time today. Jake Auchincloss represents the Massachusetts 4th, Seth Moulton the Massachusetts 6th. Both are on the Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the United States and China or the Chinese Communist Party. Thanks, both of you, for being here today on Radio Boston. Thanks, Tiziana. Thanks for having us. So let's turn now to uh, some perspective on what we've heard, especially in the biotech portion of that conversation. Robert Wiseman uh, is with the Boston Globe. Um, He reports on biotech for the Globe and is hosting a panel on Boston's life sciences sectors during the Globe's upcoming Health and Biotech Week. Robert's been listening in on this conversation. Robert, hello and welcome to Radio Boston. Hi, Tiziana. Good to be with you. It's great to have you. And listen, we covered a lot. We broadened our aperture a little bit at the end there and looked at some other things. But the core uh, piece of our conversation was on how important it is for Massachusetts to continue to be the leader in biotech and the sort of uh, push from China to overcome. Your reactions to the conversation? Well, I was at um, one of the events where the congressmen and, and members of that select committee visited with life sciences companies at the Harvard Kennedy School on Monday. And uh, they're certainly right that there's a sense of uh, competition and national security uh, concerns. Um, but when they talk, when you talk about um, the Massachusetts, the U.S. industry and the Chinese industry, it's good to remember that the industry is very globalized right now. Um, so the U.S. is the leader, but uh, U.S. and Chinese companies are both competitors and partners. Um, many of the companies right here in Massachusetts manufacture drugs in China, and they also buy supplies, raw materials, active ingredients for their drugs from Chinese companies. So any moves to restrict the access of the Chinese companies which obviously some of the some in Congress feel unnecessary could also damage some of their U.S. partners. So that's the, so that's the fine line. And when you talk to the companies, um, they are concerned about supply chain disruptions, some of the same things that uh, the congressmen are concerned about. But they're also they, you know they they also have are doing business with China themselves. So it's sort of a complex relationship. In that complexity, I guess one of the other questions that comes up in my mind, Robert Wiseman, is this this tension with understanding the complexity of the relationship with China and also the risk of enhancing concerns about anti-Asian American hate, which have been on the rise since 2020 in the United States, and conversations around competition with China. During the visit here and in other areas where you've seen this conversation, especially about tensions between China and the United States and the industry in biotech, has that come up? Does that come up? Well, I mean, there's there is an element of China bashing there. I mean, that, that's one thing the Democrats and the Republicans in Congress agree on that China is a threat. I think there's there's a good reason um, to feel like they they are or they might be there. That you know they are. There's a growing adversarial relationship. 
Um, and you see it in the tech industry with uh, companies like uh, TikTok. You see it with Huawei. And now they're focusing on biotech. Um, I don't, uh, th th there's a bill in Congress that um, members of this committee introduced, Democrats and Republicans, that would re that would ban federal contracts from the largest Chinese biotech, BGI, uh, Beijing Genomics Institute, because they say that they're marketing um, these prenatal tests for pregnant women in many countries, although not the U.S., which enables them to you know genetically identify and discriminate against ethnic minorities. So that's one concern. There's also a concern, though, in this backlash against China that companies that aren't really in, don't have the same close ties with the Chinese government and military could be hurt. So that's that's part of it. So, um, and, and they're sort of whipping up anti-Asian sentiment that people feel could spread. So what do you watch for now, Robert Wiseman? You mean in the industry in yeah, general? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it's, it's interesting, Tiziana. There's kind of like, uh, a disconnect between the pro the progress that's be that's being made and that and that the congressman cited in areas like Alzheimer's and sickle cell and uh, cell and gene therapies, but also the current economic cycle has been tough for the biotechs. You know, just in the past year, there were seventy five here in Massachusetts that laid off workers or even folded. There were only two that went public. Um, so there's sort of a disconnect between the funding cycle and the science. So that's something I think there's there's some signs that um, it's, it's starting to rebound now. You know, the Fed has stopped raising interest rates. Deal making is on the upswing. Uh, biotech stocks are beginning to recover. But I mean, so we're look, sort of looking at the whole environment. Um, and um, and there's definitely signs of recovery. Um, and, there's, and the lo long term scientific outlook is good as well. But there's certainly been there's certainly some challenges in terms of the short-term funding constraints. Boston Globe reporter Robert Wiseman, who will be hosting a panel on Boston's life sciences sectors during the Globe's upcoming Health and Biotech Week from February 26th through the 29th. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tiziana.